You're listening to BQN. Assimilate the audio. Engage. 78 years have passed since the days of the original USS Enterprise. Now a new galaxy starship has been designed. Transport to Chief, beam our listeners aboard. Welcome to Galaxy Class, a Star Trek The Next Generation podcast on BQN and the Fandom Podcast Network. I am your host, Head of Surround Sound Audio, Joe Keegan, and joining with me today is Councillor Amy Nelson. Amy, how are you and why does it look like you're using dial-up internet? dial-up internet um i am doing quite well uh just finished recording all good things so today is my big podcasting day and glad to be here talking with you and joe why what's going on with surround sound so you know i've been doing some composing recently and every weekend i try and compose something new so headphones are fine but i wanted it to sound kind of bigger so I've got my old surround sound system uh, down from our loft uh, or attic, what do you guys call it? Attic. Attic, okay. Um, and set it up. My, you know how tiny my podcasting room is? Mm-hmm. Um, I've been out the surround sound in it for the purposes of um, film scoring and orchestral composition. Wow. That's my plan to retire early from teaching and become a movie composer. Okay. John Williams, Hans Zimmer, Jerry Goldsmith, Joe Keegan. Yes. Joseph Keegan. <laughs> Joseph Keegan, your famous French art critic, now famous composer. Yes. Indeed. Amy, will we check the communication rate to see if we have any comments from our listeners? Logs accessed. So, from our Jonathan Frakes profile, uh, it was commented that we barely spoke about him. We had a lovely chitter chatter. And part of that, Vera Bible comments and says, come for Jonathan Frakes trivia, stay for maggot feet. <laughs> That's what you get when you're here with Galaxy Class. Yeah, you know, we keep you on your toes. Keep you listening. <laughs> yeah. See, if we just talked about what we're supposed to talk about, then it would just be dull and stayed, wouldn't it? You know, I feel that when listeners come and when I listen to podcasts, I like hearing the banter. I like hearing the relationship that they have because then I feel like, oh, I'm their friend too. And I'm listening to what's going on in their life. I really enjoy it. So I left it in. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Thank you. We also have a comment from Rhea Parker Giorgio, our other host. By the way, Jeannie Francis is still on General Hospital. She's now mayor of Port Charles. I'm looking forward to spending the night in her childhood home. Oh dear. Mm-hmm. Cease and desist. Rhea Papa Giorgio, cease and desist. And that was, so it was Jeannie Francis' childhood home and not the dog's childhood home. Oh, there okay. Have it from the horse's mouth. Yes. Uh, interesting, I was thinking about Rhea today. I was out a walk through Airtown and there, I noticed a wee Greek cafe. But beside it, there's a Greek dessert bar. 
they were both closed because it was quite late, but I was quite intrigued. I don't know anything about desserts. Is, um, no, I don't know. Um, kif, kifla, no, kiflaki or something. Ooh, I don't know. Kif, uh, it's thingy, it's tiramisu, Greek. Or is that Italian? That's Italian, but yeah, they're neighbors. True, true. What's that? Uh, is it baklava? Oh yeah, baklava. Is that? It's kind of generically Middle Eastern yeah. that part of the world, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Crete has a version. Ria goes on to say that um, t- to me, Joe, I have been advised not to discuss at this time the incident under Mister and Mrs. Francis's bed. <laughs> Thank you, Ria. Always good to know. <laughs> this is the captain. Senior officers will report to my ready room immediately. So, Amy, let's get into what we're supposed to be talking about. Um, so, what if Amy uh, Galaxy Class stayed on topic for once? That is an amazing what if question. That Joe. is, and that brings us to what we're talking about today. We are bringing back another episode of our what if series. And I was looking back and to figure out how many what if episodes that we've done. And this will be our seventh what if. I, I am that. still shocked that we have, yeah, part seven. Part seven and also listeners. That also shocks me that we still have those. <laughs> so thank you for staying with us for 121 episodes. So I was looking back to see what we'd spoken about before. And in short order, do you want to take shots each? Yeah. So we have what if Picard and Nella Darren, mm. the idea that she stays on the ship. What if Jack Crusher was in the picture and not dead? What if Wesley was permanently imprisoned and killed by the Edo injustice? What if Hugh stayed on board the Enterprise and didn't return to the Borg Collective to spread the idea of individualism? What if Worf died in ethics? What if the Enterprise D had been destroyed during the seven seasons? What if Kirk had showed up during the seven seasons? What if Beverly and Picard were married in TNG? How would that affect young Wesley? What if TNG crossed, o- crossed over to the Clone Wars? Or instead of the Traveller transporting them to a different galaxy, transported them to a galaxy far, far away? <laughs> well played. <laughs> what if we met before, before meeting Lore? What if the Enterprise D was not destroyed in generations? What if Picard didn't have Lily with him during the Borg invasion in First Contact? What if Riker kept the Q powers? What if Kamala from Perfect Mate stayed on board to be with Picard? What if the aliens in Conspiracy are still working behind the scenes in Starfleet? Mm. So yeah, a lot of what ifs there. So many what ifs that it could entirely change the nature of the next generation, potentially the entire franchise. Exactly. Huge ramifications. So I have a what if. Oh, yeah. What if Romulan L wasn't illegal? And the reason I bring this up is because if Romulan L is supposed to be illegal, why do we see it so many times and being served at a wedding? Like, you can't serve illegal stuff 
openly like that. That that does not make sense. You are right. But is it one of those things where it's illegal, but people just turn a blind eye? So then why is it illegal? I would hope that our justice system would be smart enough to remove unnecessary, unneeded rules because our governments sure don't do that. They have rules on the books from centuries ago that don't even make sense. Keep rules concise, precise, and efficient. And this Romulan Act, that is not a good rule. And they're assuming, I think, we all take from the first contact, no, and what movie is it? Nemesis. Nemesis. Nemesis, we see it. Um, we get the impression that it's real Romulan, Romulan, Romulan ale and not synthetic, replicated right. stuff. Um, is it illegal under federation law? Or is it illegal to export it outside of Romulan space? Like, is that a Romulan law? Like, mm. they just want to keep it all for themselves. Have smugglers stolen some and distributed it? Is there a treaty in place in the Federate between the Federation and the Romulans that says, like, um, if you if you see anybody Romulan, you're breaking one of our laws, as opposed to one of your own? I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah, Post-trauma. that's what I was thinking about. Yeah, if it wasn't illegal and it was just freely available, then I'd imagine people would might need um, more liver transplants after a while. Yeah. Yes, and hangover medication might be way more advanced than it is as we see in the 2300s. Yeah, and I really am wondering, like, seriously, why is it illegal? Because that seems like a law that is definitely not needed like you you don't have laws for inside the home like governmental mm. laws you know true that's a very good question i don't know the answer to it yeah so the first question i'd like to pose to you amy what do you think would happen if the caretaker transported the enterprise d to the delta quadrant instead of voyager all right joe I yeah. would like to know a little bit more about this question yes. because I think it could be an amazing answer if I know when in TNG you would want this to happen. Are you talking like season one or are oh. you talking in the middle of the season or are you talking at the end? So when does Voyager, when's the Voyager pilot in terms of TNG, yeah, like season. So I don't know the answer to that. Um, it would be season nine, I think. Something like that, around about that, yeah. yeah. Is it then, or is do we make it a little bit earlier? Because we saw the Enterprise hanging out in Bajor quite a lot in season seven. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that the Enterprise is in that kind of area. Mm. Potentially, they've the enterprise has been dispatched to find the Chakotay in the Maquis. Yeah. Um, and they just happen to, Data says, Sir, a coherent tetron beam is scanning us. There's a shockwave coming towards us. Sir, we were in the Delta Quadrant, 70,000 light years from Earth. 
You know, I think it would be pretty darn awesome because they've already been to the Delta Quadrant. Remember, Q-Who. So how amazing would that be? Like if it was later in the season, say season five, season six, they go back to the Delta Quadrant. We end up with the Scorpion two-parter because we're going to work with the Borg to escape you know, the space and stuff mm-hmm. that would be pretty amazing. But I like that if they were there, they'd be like, okay, we know about the board. That's sort of uh, all we know about the Delta quadrant and what an amazing, I I don't know. Would that be like a three porter three parter? Would you I, like to see that? I don't see why not. Um, I just, I, I'm thinking about what happens like through the, entire series of Voyager and how the Enterprise might have dealt with it differently. Those are the bigger stakes involved mm-hmm. because there's over a thousand people in the Enterprise including, including children and families and there's what 150-ish people on the on Voyager. Mm-hmm. Um, so Picard's got a lot more, a lot more responsibility in trying to get all these people home. Could Enterprise D even make the journey? It's not really designed for that kind of... Yeah, but if Wesley's on board... Traveler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good point. They could totally... Oh my gosh, that would be way better than Journey's End. We could have Journey's End having Wesley bring the Enterprise back to the Alpha Quadrant. Mm. We could have, Do you remember the, the missile? Uh, not the Cardassian missile, the other one. It was a sentient missile that beamed aboard. In Voyager? Yeah. Oh, shoot. I'm drawing a blank on that one. Yeah, there's a, some kind of sentient, big, kind of shiny silver sentient missile. Um, and it wanted to, I can't even actually remember what it was. It wanted to blow up the enemies of its species. And I imagine there's something, Data's got some involvement in that storyline. Like the doctor had some involvement in the storyline, mm. so data plays a part. And does data get taken over temporarily by the sentient missile? Mm. That would same, be good. Yeah, same with the the one about the androids with the shiny silver faces. Oh, and there's like two sides. Can't remember the name of the episode. It's been it's been a few years. Okay. But yeah, there's interplay between him and data. Yes. Okay. So what if? Mm-hmm. Going back to a previous what if, if what if Hugh stayed on the Enterprise? So now we have Hugh and we're now in the Delta Quadrant. And that's where we pick up Seven of Nine because, right, that individualism, they find Seven. And now we've got Hugh and Seven working together. Okay. Does that make the job of making Seven an individual easier? Yes. Because, because now we have there. Hugh who's done it first. Mm-hmm. Good question. And they are like BFFs in real life, aren't they? Right? Yes. I know. Oh, right. Didn't this happen? That ne- okay. That really needs to happen. I mean, I don't want to discount Voyager, but that would be a great storyline. I mean, you could. Well, and now in with the big, long season arcs, that would be a fun season to have the Enterprise in the Delta Quadrant for one season. Hmm. Packing the best bits of Voyager. Yes, exactly. Cool. So we've done that. We've watched Enterprise D and the Delta Quadrant instead of Voyager. We're staying in Bajoran space for the next one. 
What if, Amy, Picard was given command of Deep Space Nine instead of Cisco? Do you remember, like, chain of command and Admiral just comes on board and says, oh, yeah, I'm giving this ship to Captain Jellicoe. Captain Jellicoe stays on board. So I'm, I'm not personally watching that TV show anymore. I'm ditching TNG and then moving over to this new show with this Cardassian space station called Deep Space Nine and its commanding officer, Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Mm-hmm. And a ragtag bunch of kind of aliens trying to work together. Okay. So mm-hmm. my first instinct yeah. would be I feel like Cisco with what he did with the Cardassians and entering the war mm-hmm. with the Dominion, that definitely would not have happened. And so I don't know that we would have been as successful because Cisco did some Shady. Shady, stuff. yeah. And Picard hasn't really done anything shady. It's always on the up and up. Oh, if you watch Drumhead again, then he's broken the Prime Directive, what was it, nine times oh, in episode? Yeah. So some shady shenanigans going on there. I think you might be right, though. I think Cisco had a, a steely determination about him. And he did what was required in order to get the Federation and the Klingons and the Romulans through the war. Um, because the Dominion, up to that point, was an unstoppable enemy. It was just brutal. And I think he had to be a bit brutal to combat that. Because Picard, up to that point as well, Picard, he was a diplomat and a peacemaker. And he was very calm and measured. Um, Janeway was this explorer, wasn't she? And she, she had a bit of Cisco, but also about Picard. Mm-hmm. Um, she was the best person to get him home. She did what was needed. And Cisco, again, he got him through the war. So, yeah, I think it would have been a very different outcome. Or might we have seen a different side of Picard? Ooh. Okay, so if we take Picard being the diplomat, I think what would change would be because of his extensive interactions with the Cardassians and his diplomacy, it could be that he would be working closer with the Cardassians and getting them to fight the Dominion so that it would be more of a Alpha Quadrant united front. That could have totally happened because, you know, those Romulans, until we meet again, like Tomalak and, you know. Yes. There was that. some ground building between Picard and the Cardassians, and I think that could have been the diplomatic workaround. Yeah, there was a, a respect, a mutual mm-hmm. respect from one warrior to another. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So you're you're saying that the alliance between Alpha Quadrant races um, would have been cemented sooner. Yes. So there might not have been the whole it's a fake thing. Oh, the right. The Romulans would have already committed the war. So right. not because of the relationship with the card. Yeah. That's interesting. And um, I kind of wanted to go down a darker route. Okay. And that is there something about Picard that he just naturally wants to make peace and does everything to try and cement peace while the Dominion and the Cardassians are just taking over everywhere. So they're taking over more and more and more space and Picard's always like, no, we have to talk. And he keeps moving back. Um, so is he, is he relieved of command at some point? Mm. 
because the Federation space is just getting smaller because the Dominion is just getting more powerful. Well, we do, we do see Picard stand up in First Contact. Mm-hmm. They keep pushing and we fall back. Right? A line must be drawn here and no further. There's that accent again, Amy. Yes, I <laughs> love it. I nail it every single time. Every time. So it de- he definitely could get to that point, but I think you're right because Picard has age, maturity, wisdom, and he's going to go for that diplomatic solution first. And I, now that I'm getting older in my age, and I don't know if you see with your students, my students, <clears throat> they always want to attack. Well, she said this about me. Da, da, da. I'm going to da, da, da. And it's like, can you go at it a different way? I'm always trying to tell these kids, you don't have to get into this big fight over words. There's other solutions. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have said that. Or the younger Amy wouldn't have said that. Because it's like, yeah, how? what can you do? What could do that? No, we can work it out with our words. And I think just because Picard is our oldest captain, that that's why he is that way. Yeah, you're, I agree with what you're saying about kids. They're always very antagonistic towards each yes. other. Yeah, it's unpleasant to watch sometimes. They, they assume the worst about each other. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, and Picard could point that out and it's like, okay, let's not assume the worst. Let's maybe look at their perspective and why are they acting that way? Yeah. Stand back, speak to the person that you're having a the grievance with, mm-hmm. rather than engaging in Chinese whispers. Oh, yes. My my friend's brother told me that you said this about my sister. I'm like, stop. Who said who actually said what? Mm-hmm. It turns out nobody actually said anything. Um. So yeah, that would have been an interesting one. Yeah, but I think Picard, I mean, had it not worked, I think he would have eventually got there, just like we saw him break down with the Borg in in first contact, like, lose it. And I think that's when he would do the shady thing. That's just true. And just something's just occurred to me. Picard is the emissary in the the one holy aliens slash prophets take him away to talk to him about the linearity of time and Q turns up and says, Oh, excuse me, what you guys, what are you doing with my Picard? Give him back. And there's kind of a to and fro between the prophets and the Q. Oh my gosh, yes, these two beings fighting over Picard. Mm-hmm. How do you think Picard would have reacted to being the emissary, the prophet? Mm, yeah, that's a very good question. Because he is not religious in any way. Neither Cisco. Nobody is really religious in Star Trek. But didn't Cisco come around? Or did he just accept the responsibility? I think he he always found it a bit uncomfortable being yeah. the Cisco. He didn't mm. quite know what to do with it. I think by the end of the seven seasons, he accepted his role as the emissary and he understood what the to a certain extent, what the prophets were trying to do. And he was, what did they say? He was one with Bajor, and he was destined to live his entire life or the rest of it in, on Bajor or in the wormhole. Would Picard, there was a, is Picard more spiritual? Hmm. 
Hmm. It is very interesting how lacking that side of a person is in TNG. It definitely gets explored in Deep Space Nine. So would that have changed how we know our characters? Yeah, I think it was uh, Gene Roddenberry. He wasn't a fan of, he wanted to get away from religion altogether, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, in Deep Space Nine, they were kind of left to their own devices. So Gene was gone by then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, interesting point. Would we, uh, how would we, I quite like Star Trek for that, that removal of religion, because I'm not a fan of it, having been brought up in it. Um, would we feel differently about them if they were, like if there was a church on the Enterprise D? Yeah, well, I think it might strengthen Picard and Worf's relationship because we already have, you know, Worf leaning on Picard, being his chadich and all, and going through these rituals and, you know, Worf going off to explore Stovico. And like, I think Picard would be like, why do you believe this? Because now I'm this prophet of this Bajorans and how do you you know, have the science versus the religion and how are you working that through? And it also could be that data would be an exploration for us of like data learning about Picard's responsibility as the prophet and the emissary. I think those three, I could see having great dialogue about this religion. Yeah, data and Picard especially for me. Um, like the, the episode titled... Do androids go to heaven? Oh, I like that. Yeah, that's a very good question. It would totally morph the whole TV show into something different. Like, is there other religions on other worlds? Like, and uh, Troy, for instance, and the sacred chalice of Reeks and the, mm-hmm. the holy rings of Beta Z. What are these? Holy implies a religion. Um, what are the rings of Beta Z? Do they signify something specific about Beta Z religion? Yeah. Um, but you know what? That, like one thing about Babylon 5, um, Babylon 5 didn't go down the religious route, but there is an episode where the alien inhabitants of Babylon 5 are trying to learn more about each other's religions. And I think it's kept uh, Commander Sinclair at the time, who's head of the station. He puts together an array of Earth religions, because like the, the Mimbari have one religion and the Narn and the Centauri all have one religion, but Earth is just this kind of melting pot of hundreds of religions. Yeah, so he lets them meet like a, a Jewish rabbi and a, I'm going to get half of these wrong, a, a Catholic priest and a, a, a Buddhist monk, and you, you keep on going, there's maybe 50 different religions for all the aliens to meet. Um, so it kind of touched on it. In fact, that there is religion still out there in the future. So another cool thing that if Picard was the Cisco, we could have Ro have a more prominent, because then she would be like, sort of uh, like Kira was. was. You know, of like honoring Picard as the prophet as this emissary, as this religious leader. Well, um, Ro was supposed to be... Kira. Kira, yeah. yeah. She was supposed to be first officer. Yeah. Uh, I love Kira, yeah. 
I'm so yeah. glad that she was the first officer. Mm-hmm. Would she be Picard's first officer? It's a question. Would Picard's? Um, would um, Kira have been this? Yeah, no, I suppose Kira would have been assigned as the Bajoran liaison to Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. So, because was not to Picard to choose. Does Picard then take other members of the Enterprise crew to help him on the station? Who does he take? Oh, from DS9? No, who does Picard take from the Enterprise on the Deep Space Nine with him? Well, definitely Troy. That was my suggestion as well. Yeah. Doesn't really need a Riker. Doesn't need a Geordi. He's got O'Brien goes yeah. with him, obviously. Um, he needs a data. He does. He, he takes Troy and data, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Worf still comes in in season four. Mm-hmm. Uh, Crusher's going off to Starfleet Medical. Yes, because they've got Bashir. Mm-hmm. Got uh, Dax. Mm, but there's no interplay between Dax and Cisco because we don't have Cisco. Mm-hmm. There's no old man. Yeah. But that could be interesting. I was just thinking with a Wharf, Troy, and Dax little triangle mm. going on there. Thruple. Mm. Uh, that's interesting. I would watch that. I I would too. I'm sorry, Joe, but these are great what if questions. Uh, not mine. I was struggling earlier. I was like, you and you and tell me is that share what up what ifs up the stairs. So you gave me a bunch of stuff. Oh, so thanks to you. Excellent. Yes. Okay, what have we got next, Amy? Well, I really am interested to know what if Data got his emotion chip earlier. Now, we've heard multiple times Rick Berman did not like in Generations that Data got his chip because then they felt like he had nowhere to go for the rest of the movies. So, with that said, Joe... Yeah. What if Data got his emotion chip earlier, and when would you have liked to have seen that, and why? I, th- I think I agree with um, the producer people. I think that, does he need an emotion chip at all? I think without it, he's still quite, he's not emotional, but that quest to be human almost makes him more human than anybody else, because he's always questioning, analysing, and looking for the best human traits they can take on board. Um, when does he get it? Or does he get it in offspring? Oh. Does, is it not, it's not actually a chip, it's like some embedded programming. That's like his dream act- sequencing, right? Yes, it's designed to activate when like some real human thing happens, i.e. he's had a baby and the baby's died. It's mm. the programming triggers and he's lost his child. Okay, so some event has to trigger his program to activate and not be a chip where he gets to decide when to get his emotions. Like it's yes. life experience brings the emotions to him. I like that. That's more organic. Mm. Yeah, I like that a lot. That would make sense, wouldn't it, if it was at that point? When was it Offspring Season 3, was it? Ish. It was early, huh? Yeah. So round about that. Oh. What else, if not the Offspring, I think that would be the best point. Yeah, what um, other life experience would bring, would surface those 
emotional program. That's a good one, having a, an offspring like that. Skin of Evil, Another Loss, Tasha, his friend, his first lover. Mm. Not as potent, though, as Lucy yeah. yeah. Still might be up there. I'm wondering maybe when he uh, loses his father. But I don't know, mm -hmm. it didn't have such a mm -hmm. connection. No. What about the measure of a man? The threat to his existence? Oh, that would be an appropriate time. Oh, like, oh yeah, they're, they're in the courtroom and they're debating and there's a point where it's not going very well for Picard arguing for his like sentience and his existence um, and data gets almost increasingly panicked and then snaps and has this emotional outburst and everybody's like, what the hell just happened? Oh, then for sure, Maddox would have taken him away and he would have been off the show. Mm, Starfleet oh, would yes, not, yes. yeah. If That's that, if it idea. happened then. <laughs> mm, you're right, yeah, let's not put it there. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm but going with my... Oh. What, what emotion would be his first like you're saying if that was the drum head or not sorry if that was measure of a man i think you're right that panic i think mm -hmm. that would come out and so then would he behave poorly would he lash out and be abusive like physically abusive yeah and being so strong people die um because he's like a an infant with emotions Right. But in the shape of a really strong human adult. The other points that occur um, would be descent. Remember when he gets angry at the Borg? Mm-hmm. And he tries to replicate that feeling, but he can't. And that's maybe the start of the programming surfacing. Yes. And um, that's an obvious point. See, and that one makes sense because, you know, his friendship with Geordi is so strong. Yeah, that's true. The crash lands on the planet. When he finds Spot. When he finds Spot, yeah. What's when he crash lands on the planet and he loses all his memories? Oh, and that's the Vine on Self. Vine on Self, yeah. That could be a point where he's damaged. And when they find him at the end, they have to fix him. But in fixing them, they kind of tweak, tweak a chip. Mm. Um, did they open him up on the planet at all? Because, like, maybe they activated something on accident. Oh, right. And so then when he stab him, yeah. put a pole through his back and then bury him in, under the well. Um, maybe that, that trauma, that injury to his torso, or maybe when Nova Forge and Crusher are fixing him. Yeah. And the fixing released the programming. They found dormant programming, they didn't know what it was, and they put it into active memory. Mm -hmm. And he has emotions. Does he ever share programming with lore by intention? You know how like he downloads all of his stuff into B4? Well, I'm wondering, that's... is there a link there that maybe lore accidentally or intentionally gave him that subroutine? to show mm. up unexpectedly so that Lore could easily come back and take over the Enterprise easier. That is how he got, he felt emotions initially in Descent, isn't it? Yeah. 
it's because Laura was transmitting. Oh, so he did. Okay, so that has been done. Come on, Nelson. <laughs> uh, but to your earlier question about what does he experience first? Like, what is the first emotion? Is it, is it, it's obviously context dependent, so what's happening at the time. But might it be funny? Is it in generations where he gets the joke for the first time? <laughs> With the gorilla in the monkey suit or something? Or is it all the way back with episode three, Naked Now, and that the physical sexual emotion is the first one he experiences? On the bridge, at Ops. It <laughs> <laughs> could be some uncomfortable viewing. Um, yeah, I, I like to think that he's sitting at Ops doing whatever he's doing. He just starts taking a laugh quietly to himself. And he doesn't really know why. Now that way, when you're not allowed to laugh, it's like a really serious situation. Um, you're not supposed to laugh at all, and you can't hold it in. You're, yeah. Your shoulders are shaking. Um, a bit like that. And then the rest of the crew clock on. is like, Data, are you okay? It's like, no. Um, that'd be a nicer way to go than being all violent and angry or sad. I really do enjoy that clip in Generations where Data's laughing and he's like, I just got it seven years ago. You told the joke about the Ferengi. And <laughs> I think that is just so good and like so typical of Data to remember everything, right? And now mm. he can finally enjoy the joke. Good writing right there. Absolutely. Okay. So that's Data's emotion chip. All right. So that's all we've got for questions, right? Uh, no, we've got um, Ready one to wrap more. Up no, final thoughts. no, no, no final thoughts, Amy. We've got one more. You'll notice the topic four. I know, Amy, you don't want to talk about this, but I feel that we must. We've never talked about this before. I feel that this is your special trauma. <laughs> I'm feeling emotions right now. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, just switch off your chip, Amy. You'll be fine. So, you know, the. In the season one, they thought, oh, there's too many women on board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the season one, there's two. We've got Crusher, we've got Troy, we've got Tasha Yar. Too many women, we have to get rid of one. What happens if Denise Crosby decided to stay, which means that they're going to get rid of Marina Sirtis and the character of Deanna Troy. Amy's gone up on to ask in the notes, do we really have to talk about this, listeners? With a frowny back. face. Yes, a sad face. Um, and I've said yes, it's, um, it's worth talking about. It, it is. And mm. my first response is, if we had Yar stay on as security officer, what would happen with Worf? And where would he go? We definitely need him to build the Klingon and build that universe. Mm. He, uh, Tasha is a great security officer and she has that jump and go to just as much as Worf. She would have done fine. I'm not discounting her as security officer, but where in the heck would Worf go? That's an entirely good question. Um, who knows? It was, it's weird, but it's a 24 hour a day ship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's three rotations, not yeah. four. Not four. Um, kind of, it's a bit weird that you have one head of something, like somebody that's in charge of all, like you're in the clock. Might, would it make more sense if they had like two people do the job? 
or different aspects of the job, head of security, different aspects of security. Well, it's sort of like with driving the ship, as I recall, reading the technical manual, um, that you've got con and ops, right? And one puts in the uh, coordinates and gets the ship going. And then the other, once the ship's going, then the other one takes over. And then it's that journey portion. So Mm. security could be the same thing. Like one person, yeah, the department head covering all things on the bridge while the second in command of security, Wharf, would handle all the other ship security. Say like when people come in off the transporter, you know, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. That's a good point. A bit like Odo and Worf from Space Nine. Odo Mm. was in charge of station security and Worf was the tactical operations officer. So looked after all the kind of warfare related things with the ongoing Dominion War. Yes. So it could be something like that. Yes. Like wait um, like ship weapons and like the ship security and somebody else does people security. I yeah. Speculating. But yeah, yeah. so we're still we're still on board. I can't imagine a show without Troy, so I haven't even talked about not no. having her there. We don't have the child. We don't have face of the enemy. We don't have any lot of Santa episodes because there's no point in bringing. Oh my gosh! Well, they're right there. We just we can't let that happen. Oh, I forgot about Lwaxana. Do they? Uh, obviously, Majel Barrett wanted a part. So, do they bring her on as Tasha's eccentric aunt? Hmm. I still can't even think about not having Troy. I'm like, well, I, who could know, put Troy as a different position? Oh, no, okay, Troy's yeah. not on. So we're obviously not going to have the, you know, Riker and Troy. No. Which was so fun. Is it Tasha and Riker? Ooh, I cannot imagine that. It was a very pretty jogging. No, it's Tasha it? and Data. I know, but... Then they could explore that, and instead of having Data... Go after, was it Jenna? Jenna Disorder, yeah. It, no, that's not the name. No. In theory. Yeah, Jenna Disorder, yeah. Oh, I thought that was, okay, yeah. So, yeah, Data would then be writing a program to interact with Tasha. That would be fun to see. Tasha, it's interesting because Jenna was really insecure. Yes. For the most part, and Tasha would... She would be as well because of her history. Would she though? Because she's quite a strong, independent woman. She's Um, yeah. All of those gang rapes that she had to suffer through and being abandoned. She's got baggage, which is why her instinct to jump is good. But in a relationship, so we did see that exploration of her, her backstory and her trauma. Mm-hmm. And how they navigate that relationship, mm-hmm. which I think would be more interesting than the. Mm-hmm. I, I did just make me really uncomfortable watching it. Yeah, and I good. think Data would be trying to, yeah, become this, you know, human and have this relationship. And Tasha, her character arc, would learn to, you know, put her shields down and become vulnerable and be in a good relationship if she could with Data. That's a good question. Um, yeah, I think that's too much of Troy that we'd miss. Where, what 
Would they have killed Troy off or would they just sent her back to Beta Z or back to the academy to teach? They would be, yeah, she just wouldn't be there. They would have made up some. Because, you know, that's where Ebron Tam, what's his name? Yeah, Elbron? Tam Elbron. Yeah, Tam Elbron. <laughs> Because, yeah, she was, you know, working with him and as his therapist. And so mm. I think sort of in a educational setting at the university on Beta Z, I could see her doing that. I don't want her to be killed off by Armas. Yeah, no, that's a good, good point. Yeah, so she goes off. Yeah, I think you're right. That is my instinct that she goes off to be a psychologist at- but I do think that Crusher and Yar would have developed a friendship like Troy and Crusher. I think that would have been the same. Yeah. Doing all those girly things that you see them do. Calisthenics and, and the, yeah. Yeah. So that would have been the same. That I could I could see that. So listeners, we all know Amy for her um, our sign-off on Galaxy Class and every other podcast that she does, probably. Um, great joy and gratitude. I do uh, keep reserve that only for Galaxy Class. Oh, do you? Okay, that's yeah. good, to, good to know. Uh, Have you, to had you listened to any of my other podcasts, you would know that, but you know. I don't listen to any podcast. Um, so it occurred to me, without Troy here in Star Trek, and Amy's going to have a, not another favourite character, and let's assume for a minute that it is Tasha Yar. So what is Amy's famous sign-off now for Galaxy Class, Amy? What I want now is gentleness and joy and love from you, Data. You are fully functional, aren't you? It's <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, amazing. Yes, I'm right there. I think you should use that as your new signal, Amy. No, and I, I really, I, I have to say it. Great joy and gratitude. Just for to bring yes. the universe into balance. <laughs> I know, I was off kilter for a minute. Yes. <laughs> oh. Don't mess with my sign-off. <laughs> I bet you accidentally say, well, at the end, it'll be funny, I'm going to be if you did. Do you know what? I'm, I'm editing, so I'll just... Oh, my God. I'll just take the first one and put it in. <laughs> <laughs> Not that anybody listens that far anyway. No, they don't. Yeah. Well, that was an interesting discussion, Amy. Do you yes. have any final thoughts? Um, seriously, great questions. So thank Ewan for me and for all of the listeners because that was really, really good. And I liked how we get to tie in different series, which we don't get to do so much on Galaxy Class. So I like that Voyager and Deep Space Nine tie-in. Indeed, yes. Um, I like, I'm quite imaginative, so generally speaking. Um, so I like to just imagine what if, whatever, um, and see where my thoughts take me. Um, so it's always that what if episode are some of my favorite that we do. Yeah, listeners, it was Joe wanted to do these episodes. And I'm like, I cannot, I am not creative. I don't like thinking outside the box, especially with my Star Trek. It just stick to canon. So when we have these, I dread them. And if you'll notice, it's always Joe or someone else who's hosting. 
<laughs> he did fade away a wee me. Thank you for your input. Incoming transmission. We would love to hear what you thought of today's episode and hope you'll join our Facebook group, the BQN Collective, to continue our discussion there. You can also tweet your thoughts at Galaxy Class Pod, or you can follow the network on Twitter and Instagram at BQN Podcasts. Please hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a star rating and a written review. That helps others to find the show. You can also follow the entire network's podcast with our master feed by searching BQN. This way you won't miss any of our fine shows like All Good Things, Union Federation, History with the Zaloggies, Infinite Diversity, Mickey's Marvels, Trexpert's Quiz, and What's the Tea Bev? So, Joe, where can people find you? Oh, I, I had one and I totally forgot. Um, so, Joe, where can people find you when you are actually activating your emotion chip? I'm not. I find myself, the older I get, being increasingly emotional. Mm. So I think you probably find me just switching off most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, like on Friday, uh, I got to work and I was in tears. Why? Having hit a deer, <gasps> ran right out into my car. I was going fast enough that it hit the side of my car, but I was traumatized by it. How's your wore... Tesla? Oh, Tesla's fine, yeah, totally, totally fine, yeah. Um, deer, I saw the deer, I was watching the little deer in my rear view mirror, and it kind of went and kind of sat down by the side of the road, and then it got up and walked away back the way it came, and I was like, Oh, that's okay, it's okay, it's okay. I made the mistake at lunchtime of going the same route. Yeah. And there's a dead deer by the side of the road. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, emotion chips, if you could switch them off. Oh, oh. That is traumatic. I've never oh, hit a large animal. Like no, that. me neither. I can see its wee face coming out outside oh. to hit my car. Oh, I'm sorry. So, I'm yeah. so sorry. It's oh. all right. It's all right. I'm, I'm fine now. I had a wee memorial on Friday evening. Oh, good. It was the the little deer's a, a better place. But when I'm not <laughs> switching off my emotion chip, <laughs> you can get me on the BQN Collective on Facebook. You can email me, joepodcasts at gmail.com, or you can get me on Instagram at joyjoe77uk. And Amy, where can people find you when you're not um, asking for a transfer of the Enterprise D to the um, Betazoid Psychiatric Institute? Well, continue to stop Deanna Troy. Continue my counseling counselor, Amy Nelson. Yes. You can find me here on the network where I am co hosting a couple shows, uh, Union Federation and All Good Things. I am on Twitter, at Miss Amy Nelson, but my favorite place, right there on Facebook, BQN Collective. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on Secured Channel. If you'd like to help us keep all our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. We are putting out more exclusive content for our patrons that you won't want to miss, like It's Green or Amy's Math Moments. With a monthly Patreon subscription of $5 or more, you can join our meetings of the Hive Mind on the second Saturday of each month. Watch your Patreon messages for more details. Also, you can go to patreon.com slash bqn. 
A huge shout out to our very own associate producers, Jim McMahon and Debbie Burnett. We are so grateful to you for your support. At this time, we'd like to thank our executive producers who make this all possible, and a special thanks to Mark White for our artwork and Joe Keegan for our music. Well, that's me. Thank you for being with your board Galaxy Class, and until next time. Great joy and gratitude. And that better stay in there. Counselor, you are. What is the wrong looking mind or thinking? I don't know, Tanti. I'm not a beta.